to play in the Super Bowl against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Turn handle in left side. Finds a little bit of a hole, keeps his leg moving. He's across the 40, midfield, 45, he's on the run winch. 40, pushes the man, 35, look at him go. He's down to 20, 15, he could go. He is going to go. Touchdown, Seahawks. Oh, my word. A 67-yard run. Marshawn Lynch, unbelievable. The beast is alive and well. Wide receivers to either side. Russell takes the snap. He drops back. He's going to throw down the middle. He's got a man. Come on. It has been decided, maybe since the safety in the first quarter. 12, they're bringing the trophy home. Your Seahawks, Super Bowl 48 champion. Welcome back to the We Talk Seahawks uh, Rookie Watch podcast. And tonight we're going to be talking uh, post-Cardinals performances for our rookies, where there were some absolutely stellar ones. We're going to talk a little bit about what we think is going to happen with um, the next draft and which which positions we might need to add a rookie or two and we're going to talk a little bit about who is becoming um, a really really valuable uh, player on our roster from our, our rookie draft class from last year so James uh, how are you doing pal you all good yeah I'm good mate um, got that winning feeling um, looking forward to this week uh, another good display from our rookies um, yeah, just just ridiculous. Again, um, continuing to impress me even more every week. Um, always look forward to coming on and doing uh, doing rookie watch when we've got this this much talented uh, rookies in 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 our team. So uh, yeah, I'm good, mate. Good. And what about you, Pez? I'm good, mate. Good. Looking forward to this uh, Browns game to see how it goes down. Looking forward to the throwback. So yeah. Good stuff. Yeah, that, that Browns team starting to look a little bit depleted going into this game. So not quite sure if we'll see um, the Browns uh, with as much resistance as they've shown to other teams in recent times. But uh, we'll see what um, see what our rookies can do in that game. So we're, we're going to very quickly talk uh, now about the performance against the Cards. We saw some, some really, really big plays from uh, the likes of Bobo and JSN. Um, we saw a good look at Oliver Timi as well um with evan brown being out for the the whole game um and uh obviously as we say every week now uh, another devon witherspoon uh master class um and he looks every bit like one of the best corners in the league at this point in his first year so uh pez will go to you first tonight pal um which which rookie performance against the cards was the most um sort of exciting and satisfying for you um, oh, it's a hard one. This it a is few. a hard one. It like for me. Well, you know what? I'll do it by I'm wearing his number. <laughs> okay, good. I'll just do it because I'm wearing the man's number, JSN. I enjoyed that. It it's 
what we've been saying we wanted to see. It's starting to click. In the main pod, I said to James, we were talking about Gino, and I said all his interceptions have come to either JSN, his interceptions have come on passes to JSN or Bobo. Now, I just think, to me, that screams he doesn't have the chemistry with them players. I don't care what the media team tries and sparks up in pre-season to get us all jazzed up and excited. He clearly doesn't have that chemistry because some of them interceptions, yeah, fair enough, he had that one on DK where there's a confusion with the route or whatever. Yeah, fair enough. But I just think when he threw some of them, if it was Tyler or DK in them situations, I don't think they happen. You know what I mean? So to see... JSN have such a good game this game with DK out where the emphasis we said it going into the game is more about him they clearly are trying to make it a point but they actually did it right this time they used him correctly you said it Mitch yourself the it was the deep ball wasn't it and you were saying it's not kind of his bag but what he did this game was his bag actually successfully with Bobo Lee blocking, pulled off a screen. Now, watch it 15 times and realise that's what you do to do a screen with his team and let's do it again and again and again and beat the horse until teams figure out how to stop it and then change it. But overall, really impressed. I think he's going to build on that and have another big game this next game coming. But yeah, I've got to go with uh, JSN. Yeah, I like that choice. And I think the thing about that game is it was a it was a bit of a breakout game. They're not gaudy numbers. I think it was 60-odd yards and a touchdown for, for JSN. But he actually had two drops, I think. They were difficult catches. One of them was a diving one. One of them was slightly sort of out outside that it was outside the numbers and a, a quick window to catch in but if he'd taken those he'd be almost up at 100 yards touchdown in a game where we really hoped we'd see him get more of the ball so um it was nearly even better than that and actually funnily enough um when i was watching the let's talk seahawks uh, podcast the american podcast um this week when they were doing their build-up to this game uh, I put in the comments, um, Geno Smith to hit 75% pass completion or above, JSN to have a touchdown and 100 yards. And uh, the guy that, that runs that podcast, Robert, actually went and put the bet on afterwards. Geno finished the game on exactly 75%. JSN got his touchdown. And the only thing left to tick off for his bet to come in was the 100 yards. So um, it nearly... It nearly happened. And I think the 75% completion mark for Gino is actually, and it wasn't a good game for Gino either. Let's put that out there. It wasn't a good game for Gino. It was, it was okay. It wasn't good. If JSN is involved in the game and receiving the ball in the areas he wants to receive the ball in, Gino will have a highly accurate game with shorter throws that then get some yard after the catch. So we started to see what, what JSN being involved in his sort of to his strengths gives to the entire the entire team, I think. Um, just what you said about Gino, uh, if you listen to the start of the main pod, Mitch, um, I took James on a little, I held his hand, we went into Pez's rabbit hole, and we opened the lid of the box, we jumped out of it into the weird and wonderful world of why Gino might not be performing well as well as he was. I would have loved you to have been there because I, you would have, 
pulled your face where, what is this fucking guy talking about? <laughs> I pull that face a lot, to be fair. But give it a listen. And if he plays like a donkey against the Browns, we can revisit it in the next in the next main pod. And I'd love to see if you think I might have a bit of a thing on the whole Gino situation. Just as a little side note for you, because you weren't yeah. unfortunately there with well, us. Yeah, I wasn't. I wasn't there this week. I will give it a listen. I always listen when I'm not not involved on on the main pod. So um, I will definitely give that a listen. But um, we'll move it on to to James's. Uh, sorry, there's a mosquito flying around. I was trying to swat the mosquito. Um, <laughs> J- James, who is your pick for uh, the, the the player, the, the the rookie player in that game that you enjoyed the most? Devin Witherspoon, easy. Just, just ridiculous. Uh, nearly killed a man as he always does. That was one of his best hits. <laughs> just so only far. one. This, this only, only just one. one. Uh, but then he should have had a sack and he should have had an interception, which people forget as well from the game. So if he'd have had that, the stat line would have just been ridiculous again. Um, I, I, I don't recall a rookie uh, coming in and making this big of an impact this quick in in a very long time. You'd have, I mean. You can comp- he's probably making more of an impact quicker than even your Shermans did, and 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 it was only really Thomas that with 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 Earl being the first round pick, he came in straight away and was balling pretty much straight away. But even he was on special teams and mm-hmm. stuff like that. With a spoon's not even on, he's not even on special. He's just out there, three down cornerback, locking it down all the time. Um, I, ridiculous. Earl, um, just to jump in with that comment, you are completely right. Earl became a beast. Mm. He, he, there was a lot of coaching along the way with Earl. Not saying Witherspoon's perfect, but he's pretty, he's pretty perfect. perfect. <laughs> yeah, like, he's ready to go, yeah. He's yeah, on, he's on it's, like it's multiple murder charges after a couple of weeks <laughs> playing games. Like, can you, can either of you remember a player coming into the league through the draft system who? sort of halfway into a season was ranked the number one statistically or number one ranked on PFF at their position in their rookie year. And I mean, sort of out and out, um, out and out first, not just on a certain stat line, because currently Devin, Devin Witherspoon is PFF's top ranked corner. Seven games into the season, one of which he missed, one of which was bye week. So he's had two games less than a lot of players or one game less than a lot of players. Currently sat top. I don't think we've ever have, had a lineman. Top, we've never had a, an edge rusher or a lineman the or only a one wide receiver. Maybe recently is one that we might see this week. Maybe Miles Garrett. Other than that, I'm thinking quarterbacks wise, Mahomes, but even I, I, I don't, I don't know. think it, he went top first year, but no. he was right up there in, in competition. Mm. It's, it's madness when you think about it because it's really hard. It's really hard to. Um, it certainly hasn't happened at corner, because no. for as good as Source Gardner's first year was, he was only he was only top in the the field of rookies, not not for the league. So honestly, I think he's trailblazing. I think Tariq is one of probably the, Tariq last season was probably pretty close, but I think Devon's making more of an impact he, already. Even then, Tariq Tariq's was a really good rookie year, but he was still mm. a top ten corner, not not a top two, three candidate. Mm. At the moment, he's right. I've never known it, honestly. No. Um, it's nuts. So what, one guy I want to shout out a little bit is Oliver Timi. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a guy that's that's known for 
for being a, a good run blocker. And our run game didn't get massively sort of entrenched in this game. We didn't sort of get it running at its full its full potential. Um, but he had to do a lot of a lot of the stuff that he's not known for. The pass, the you know, and didn't give up any sacks or pressures in that game. We kept Gino relatively clean. The, the big sack he took was off that one edge where it was a completely busted scheme and we had a man over and Gino ran straight into it and it looked a lot worse than, than it potentially should have done. But there was no pressure up the gut in that game at all. And that, for me, felt, filled me with loads of confidence in Olawatimi because the stuff he was doing really well at in that game was the stuff that was, was supposed to be his weakness. And then factor in no flags, didn't hear his name called a single time. You wouldn't have known he was playing. No, that's a fantastic st- first start for Oliver Timmy in this league. Yeah, totally agree. I've just been looking at something. Yeah, what shocked coming. me. Yeah, what shocked me a little bit, and it's to do with. I saw this on Instagram and I couldn't believe it for the life of me. I couldn't believe it. I'm not. I don't watch the Eagles unless it's a highlight or they're on red zone. So I don't truly know how good Jalen Carter is actually doing. But someone's, someone put Devin Witherspoon's having such a great start to the year. He's just picked to the spot by Jalen Carter for the, you know, favourite for Defensive Rookie of the Year. And, I, like, I'm only going off his stats of sleeper, but he had two forced fumbles in one game. He's had three and a half sacks his highest tackles in a game was his was against the Rams, and that was four. What has that guy actually done compared to Devin Witherspoon, who's killing men on the field, literally doing everything he possibly could? And you look at it, Jalen Carter is still the favourite, still odds-on favourite to win Defensive Rookie of the Year when you come to Ben. You go into the f- Defensive Player of the Year, because I, in- I thought, interesting, let's see... If Weatherspoon's on there, because at the end of the day, as Mitch said, PFF got him graded best corner in the league, not just as a rookie. Um, Jalen Carter's on that list. People are going to vote for Carter. On that list. Do you know who else is on that list who's literally done jack shit? Because I checked his stat line. Will Anderson. Will well, Anderson's see, closer to Weatherspoon. a threat than. Than um, Jalen Carter, and I'll tell you why. He's done nothing. Statistically, it's it's voted. It's voted for, and people won't forget why Jalen why Jalen Carter tanks um, in terms of um, his draft projection. There is a lot of character concerns there. There's a lot of unsavory um, stuff there, and when it comes to voting for people, and you've got a choice between a guy with a squeaky clean record like. Like Witherspoon, who who has that positive energy and that juice on defense, that like it's just in, an infinitely more likable character. There is some East Coast West Coast bias there, and I think if the Philadelphia Eagles go to the Super Bowl and he has a good game, he will be there'll be some recency bias. There'll be he'll be right front center stage. Um, but I do think if you put it, it, the, the NFL population, you put you put those people in front of. Um, people, those three candidates, I think you'll see Jalen Carter come third based off people's opinion of him as a personality. I think he's he's lost a lot of popularity 
off that. He's he'll have a he'll have a job on his hands to win over the NFL. Some some players like Aaron Donald kind of transcend their own fan base because they're seen as a generational player. There are players, there are there are people that support other teams that will tune in to watch Aaron Donald wreck a game. Jalen Carter can get to that that stage. Um, but in order for other franchises to really root for him, he needs to overcome those character concerns and the things that he's done by performing and ironing out those things. So for that reason, I don't think people vote for him for Defensive Rookie of the Year, personally. Spoon carries on the way he's going. He's like, he's won it, like hands down. I think it's only going to take him a good game against the Browns. He will cement it, and I think potentially lock it in if he puts a show on against the Ravens. I think that, for me, will solidify. If he manages to shut down Lamar Jackson, because I think Lamar's going to have a really good game. If he manages to do that, I think that's it then. I think that's game over for everyone. I think I think you're right in that there'll be some moments in the year where he really solidifies his um, his challenge for that. I think I think it'll be a different game. Uh, I think the the big thing he did was showing out on on prime time against the Giants in front of the nation on a night when only one game was on telly. And I think we'll see that again on Thanksgiving when we play the 49ers. People will be tuned in on Thanksgiving to watch that game. And if he balls out in that game, (laughs) if he shows out on that in in that game on national TV again, that'll be two that'll be two primetime games in a row where he's shown the nation exactly who he is. So I think that's the big the big billboard for him to to state his case. Purdy's not gonna have to worry about his arm in that game. He's gonna have to worry about his internal organs being reshaped. Anyway, enough of the aggressive Because he's got hitting games. What are you on about? You're disgusting, idiot. We brought Purdy's lucky day. An adult podcast. Right, so we're going to move on to section two. We're going to do something a little bit differently. So um, last week we talked about redrafting potentially our first three uh, rookies that we picked last year. Um, and the options given for to, to redraft were the, the five following players with each pick. Um, this week, we're going to do something a little bit different. We're going to look ahead to next year's draft and which positional groups we could potentially pick up to bolster our roster. But I'm going to restrict James and Pez to picking a, a position in the same round we picked that same position last year. So, for example, um, they could say that we might pick another corner with our first round pick or another wide receiver with our first round pick, or an edge or a running back in round two. Um, maybe they'll say that we might pick another defensive back or safety at the end of the draft, like we took Jerick Reed last year. So we'll go over to James first. From James, from the positions we picked last year, those positional groups, which one do you think we're most likely to double dip and go back and get another player to supplement our roster? Which rookie might be getting a, a running partner next year uh, in the same position? Um, I think there's there's more obvious ones than than not. So I'll go with a bit of a wild card one. I'll say safety. Um, I look at yeah, you roll your eyes, Mister Mister Pez there. But you let took me my one. Oh well, I, oh, well, I do then. Um, yeah, I look at safety, and I think Jerick Reed isn't quite ready at this moment in time. Um, but then I look at the contract situation of Diggs. He's only contracted through next season, so he's got one more year left at uh, at the point of next year's draft, and so he's 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 past that thirty barrier. Obviously, he's had his injury in the past. Um, 
will they want to or will they be able to afford to to re-sign him and, and then you've got the, the whole thing with Jamal um potentially his future a little bit up in the air is he you know will they play more of an outside linebacker but you just don't know really with Jamal what the plan is there um and we 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 we, we love the safety we value the safety uh we always kind of you know, double dip and, and draft safeties and, and pay, you know, trade for Jamal Adams is, is a is a big sort of statement as to how much they value the safety position. Um so I have a feeling that safety could potentially be a bigger need than people might because at this moment in time it feels like, oh well we've got Condre Diggs, we've got Jamal Adams, safety's fine, but come draft time next season, that might that might change a little bit. That outlook, that that sort of narrative around the safety position might change a little bit. So I will say safety. Good shout. I think it's a really good shout. Um, I mean, what? How long did we give to Junior Love? That was a two. Was that a two-year? Feel like that was two. I think it was. I think so. I think it was two. So we've got we've got that there as well. Jamal Adams is younger than people think he is. He 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 was young when he was drafted. Um, he's into his second contract in the league. Um, Jamal Adams, big money. I think there's an interesting thing there, James. I I think we'll start seeing safeties drafted every year. Mm. Um, possibly multiple. Uh, and the reason for that is that the Seahawks are actually one of three teams in the league that split their cap 50-50 on offense and defense. When you look at the the Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins are 70% of their cap spent on offense compared to defense at the complete opposite end of the scale. So with Devin Witherspoon, a first-round pick, and with uh, Tariq Woolen, who is going to need a serious extension when we get to the the table with him, we're going to have to we're going to have to switch from paying safeties to paying corners, because mm. if we start paying corners and safeties at the same level that we're paying safeties now, we're not going to have money for D line. So I think we'll shift to drafting lots of safeties and try and keep good good safeties on on rookie deals to supplement our corners. Um, so I think safety is a great shell because they won't be able to renew Adams, keep digs on the money he's on and pay two corners when we get to that point. So no. you're right. That's on the horizon. And I think I think drafting safeties now as a priority is going to be a good part of the plan. Yeah. What do you think, Mr. Pez? Which which position do you think will double dip on the year I've after? Just uh frantically looking to pivot because I, re- I was confident James would not go for safety well, do, down right do, do at the freaking bottom I of the list. Go, I can go first if you want. I, I can no, no, first. I will. Well, luckily, because I'm a professional, I still have your 2024 draft class database on my uh, tabs. <laughs> so uh, I was just having a quick nosy mm. at things. But thinking about it, if I'm going to look at another positional group where I wanted to go really out out there and say we're going to shock everyone and do another wide receiver in the first round, that's not going to happen because we don't have two first rounds. They won't do it. They only did that because JSN's elite and they had the two first rounds. So I'm going to go – I'm going to play it a bit safe in – I could see a fourth – I'll, I'll do it two, two. I'm going to cheat and do two because James robbed my finger and I'm bitter about it. <laughs> the fourth round defensive tackle and the fifth round defensive end. They seem to do that every single year. You are, you are right that we've we've consistently taken defensive linemen around there. That's that's that is a habit. 
Yeah, I reckon I'm going to go with that because I was going to do the edge in the second because I, f- I feel like that's a common theme. Frank Clark, Derek Hall, that is a very common theme with the Seahawks now is getting that edge high. Um, but no, I'm going to go with the middle rounds. I reckon that defensive tackle, uh, yeah. defensive end in the middle rounds is also, they love to double dip in that department. Um Maybe not now because they seem to have a nice little rotation crop of D linemen, but I don't think in this league you can ever have enough. So yeah. I just think that's something they always do. Okay, well I like it. I think I think that's definitely something the Seahawks will consider doing. Uh, I think defensive line depth is something something they'll do in this draft coming up. Um, so I think we'll see Mike Morris uh, accompanied by another another um, young um, defensive lineman in that room. And I don't have a problem with it. I think Miles Adams has had very limited snaps this year. We've got Mario Edwards um, has done a fantastic job um, in our D-line. And uh, so has Jaron Reed. But they're obviously older players. Um, there needs to be some fresh blood behind them. So I think I think that's definitely something they'll do. I think the really obvious one that stares, stares you in the face there is a seventh-round running back. We've done that year after year yeah. after year. It's it's something we, we, we habitually do. So I think that will definitely happen. Um, so, I, you are very true, and you are right before I say what I'm going to say, but I was going to be controversial and actually mention this and say we're going to surprise everyone. And, and not, not actually, and not actually draft a running back, and only focus on undrafted. Because if Kenny McIntosh actually outproduces the draft capital, what we all think he will do, depending on the injury, Charbonnet develops three. more. Ken, and then you have got DJ. As we talked about in the main pod, he's kind of like solidified himself as the returns guy. Um, I personally really like that, but he's also a good functional rotational piece. There's four really solid guys there. You don't need yeah. to waste a draft pick. I know a seventh isn't a draft pick. It's like a hit and hope type thing. Well, this is this is exactly why I designed this question, because I wanted us to discuss the different positional groups and work out where we're stacked with young talent and what where we might go in and think we could do with a bit more uh, on our roster. Um, so the one that the, the position that I'm going to say is probably probably edge, because I'm fifty fifty on whether we are likely to get DT back. I think they'll have a cap on where they want to go with how much money they'll offer him, um, and they potentially will see him as someone that they could get a pick back for um, if they tend if they tender him and, and just give him a ceiling on what they'll pay. So realistically, I could see DT moving on potentially and us picking up another edge rusher and there are some serious ones uh, in this draft that are going to fall down so um, there could be some serious uh, edge rushers in the second round again and let's face it we're not regretting Boye Maffe's pickup at this point in time so could see that happening well cheers boys that was good that was an interesting insight so section three we'll move on um, and the question is going to go out to James first this time because I've gone to Pez first twice and the question for you james is going to be which rookie is now the most valuable on our current roster outside of our first round picks so you can't take witherspoon you can't take jsn looking at that that class from last last draft which player is the most valuable to the current 53 some close ones um 
players that haven't quite done enough yet for me that that I, that I want to say. Um, so I think I'll, I'll play it smart. I'll say Anthony Bradford. Um, I think there's been a lot of injuries on the offensive line. And uh, and like you say, with, with Phil Haynes not suiting up uh, in certain games and, and when he has suited up in games, he's he's come out of games because he's, he's, he's picked up knocks and stuff like that. So Bradford's seen quite a lot of the field, a bit more than Oliver Timmy. I know Oliver Timmy had, uh, had the Cardinals game. Um, but... I've been really impressed with Bradford when he's came in, as we've spoken about on on this rookie watch before. Um, and I think if he wasn't there, if they didn't have that little depth piece at, at right guard, I think with with the injuries that we've had at sort of bookend with with Charles Cross near Lucas, with if if we had to play Storm Forsyth, Jake Curran, and then another some you know, I don't I don't even know who we've got our practice squad at guard, but someone from the practice squad that had to be elevated to play guard, I think you could have seen the entire offensive line just crumble. Um, but I think Bradford's come in and allowed it not to crumble as much as Forsyth and Curran have, have contributed to that as well on the on the on the outside. I think in that interior having a quality young player in Bradford who's not not the finished article yet obviously but is is good enough to to plug in and play better than a practice squad elevation guy um if you didn't have him i think he's allowed it to just kind of stay stable and stay okay and stay keep their necks above water on on offensive line so if you're talking about importance i think he has potentially stopped the 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 offensive line from completely crumbling um so i will say Bradford yeah, good choice. I like that one. Pez, do you have do you have a name in mind that you think um has really become a you know a a permanent fixture in our in our roster in their first year, someone who's become very valuable? Outside of <clears throat> the first round, to be quite honest, it's quite interesting because when you do look at the the list, there's a few I like, like Oluwatimi, he's done some nice things. Mm-hmm. Um I can't then preach about him too much because it's more what I've heard and read because, like I admit, I'm not a big old line guy. I was going to go Anthony Bradford because he... He's been called on a lot already. Yeah. But if I look at this list, do you know the funny thing is, I look at this list and I look outside of the first round because I've chopped them two out. None of them except for Bradford, are valuable. But what I'm going to do instead, I'm going to kind of tweak it a little bit, is I'm going to say one who now going to show how valuable he is. Okay. And that's Derek Hall. Thought you might. Quietly, he's been going about his business. Game by game, he's been getting better and better and better. And if you... I've noticed it myself, because he's a big-ass guy and you can't miss him. And he's, he, he might get not get the stats, but he's doing stuff within the line to help other guys out. He's recorded a lot of pressures as well, which don't show up on the stat sheet, but he is constantly getting there. Yeah, and that to me just shows it's only a matter of time before he erupts and clicks in his head and then he feels comfortable doing his skill set to how the team want him to play. And then I was thinking all this, and then I came across a little video on YouTube with the sleeper of the whole defence, and it was all about Derek Hall and this guy had snippeted together all these plays where it's like that close from getting a sack, that close from getting a tackle for loss, that close, that close. He's had seven, is it seven quarterback hits in seven weeks, six games? Mm -hmm. So 
that shows a guy who, I mean, they're not quarterback hits if it, if it's if the ball's long gone. They're quarterback hits that weren't flagged because he nearly he nearly got there. And if you're that close to hitting the quarterback, you are applying serious pressure. And and let's not forget as well that we've been brilliant at containing the run, and he is one of our best edge setters against the run because of his physicality and his size and his nose for the ball. So you're you're absolutely right. The things he's doing best aren't the things that show up on the, up on the stat sheet, but they are enabling everyone else to go to work. And that's why we loved him in the draft, Mitch. I think it's the one thing that me and you was the first thing that we both agreed that Derek Hall is going to be a beast. Yeah, and now, I think so too. Now it might be, it's a weird thing to say, but Nawosu going out, leadership-wise, it's a... It's, Saying that, that doesn't matter because we've got enough like leaders within that line. Um, I think it's a blessing in disguise. I, I do, honestly. It might not look it, but I genuinely think it could be a blessing in disguise when you look at Derek Hall starting to pick up steam. You've seen the size of the man. He's like a freight train. You don't want the freight train picking up speed and hitting you. So it's only a matter of time. And I think... Secretly, it could be a blessing in disguise for us to unlock these young guys what historically have their reps limited mm. within this defence. And now it's kind of like we don't have the luxury to limit him. Just take the reins off, let him go. Yeah, he's, he's eased into it, isn't he? I think, I think, um, and Nwosu, I, I'm not going to say it's a blessing in disguise for Nwosu to go because he's been one of our most consistent performers. I think any team in the league would miss, would miss Nwosu going out for the year. But I see that what you mean, it's almost a silver line. The silver lining on that cloud yeah. is that there's some talented guys behind him that are ready for the extra snaps. And I think Frank Clark coming in, um, it kind of, it, it helps with the depth. I don't necessarily want him to want to see Frank Clark come in and get starting reps. I want to see him mixed into the rotation. I want to see his experience being allowed to rub off on the rookies. I want to see him in, in the rotation, but I don't want to see him come in and take Mafe snaps and Hall snaps, you know, and DT snaps. I want to see him in there getting a share, but not, not taking lion share. For me personally with that, because obviously in the main point, we didn't get to speak about the Frank Clark situation, but I think he will he he will get snaps over Derek Hall just because he's a rookie and Frank Clark got the experience. I think he'll share them with DT, but as we spoke about in the main pod, it's perfect because we're coming up to the mid part of the season. Just let Frank Clark have a couple more games, then let him take the back seat. He can chill out, earn his money, and then DT's ready to go. It's the start of his well, season. The interesting thing. The interesting thing about about Nwosu being replaced by Frank Clark is that Nwosu was getting was was getting the lion's share of snaps because they could use him in pass rushing scenarios and use him as an edge as an edge setter as well. And Derek Hall was getting more snaps than DT because Derek Hall, whilst he's not as experienced or as effective as Nwosu, had similar strengths and could be utilized in the same sort of roles. And then DT was playing a lot more pass rush, pass rush scenarios and being used to his strengths. But Frank Frank Clark could come in and take slightly less snaps than the Wosu, and those snaps be given to Hall. 
because they'll be both expected to do the same jobs, but potentially with Frank Clark's age being a factor that wasn't there with Nerosu, they might say, okay, well, Derek Hall, we need you to do a bit more of the donkey work and cover more snaps. You wouldn't necessarily put DT on the field for those snaps that, that Nerosu was doing. So I think we'll see a bit more of those given to to Hall. But we'll move on to on to my pick. My 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 take on this. We we are and a disclaimer, we have been lumping uh, the undrafted guys into the the, the 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 rookie class. I'm gonna say Jake Bobo is the most um valuable of those um players and i say that because he's not just value to this team as a receiver he's value to this team in the locker room with his personality he's become a real favorite with the players with the fans with the coaches um and more than anything he's making plays for people blocking and setting up screens and he's doing all the dirty work and the guy doesn't mind getting hit at, at 50 miles an hour with uh, helmet first contacts. He gets up smiling. I feel like he could, lo- he could lose an entire row of teeth and get up showing a gappy smile. You know, the guy's an absolute nutcase. And um, of all the players that have come into this, this team, other than Spoon, I think he has had the most impact uh, in a starting role on this on this roster. Jake Bobo. That's my you know that's my call. I only I didn't because he wasn't a draft pick. I kind of like didn't think of it to well I didn't no I didn't think I, I didn't want to say it but you are completely right with that. Um, I was going to mention something earlier just while you picked him up here just quickly just to chuck in the everyone's like saying more Bobo more Bobo, but I personally think with some of the limitations this offense has shown it might not be a bad thing to just get the tight ends more involved and like James has preached on the main pod and save Bobo till later in the year, a bit like my Charbonnet thinking. Like, why show all the teams you potentially could face in the playoffs all your offensive assets? They did it one year with Doug Baldwin. Doug Bowen was injured for the start of the year and everyone was like, where's Doug? Why is he not playing? We're struggling. We're up and down. Where's Doug? Duh, 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 duh. My brother's going crazy because Doug Bowen's not getting any looks. And I was like, save him for the back end of the year when teams have forgot about him. And that pretty much exactly happened. He started getting more targets quietly each week. Why not do that with someone like Bobo? Clearly, Gino has a good connection with him chucks up balls and trusts that he can get them. Why don't we save an asset like that for later in the season in the playoffs? Because teams then don't have the tape. Because even though people know about him, what he can do, teams just love watching tape and building a game plan against tape. Well, nobody's stupid in thinking that. No, I don't think so. But I think I think nobody's watching the Seahawks wide receiver crew and planning for Bobo. I think everyone's looking at JSN, Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf. They're looking at those guys first. No one's spending that much time, you know, planning for, for Bobo. But um, we've got well, him on the field. Him out the there more. But he's 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 constantly on the field. He's just being used to create pathways for other players. So I, I agree with. Out. 
I agree. I agree with your concept. I think you can do that w- within a game, though. I think you can have him out on the field, blocking, 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 running routes, moving people around, and then red zone threat, and then you know, blocking, 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 rip off thirty yards. You can use him, like you say, sparingly, and use him as a surprise weapon. But you can do that within the context of a game, not necessarily save him for the back end. What What do you think, James? I get both points. I, I get. I get the point of you know, not wanting to to show your hand too quickly, because um, I I do think a a, a a fairly untapped Bobo heading into the playoffs and just saying right now, you know, we're going to unleash you to your full potential is is a scary prospect potentially. But then, at the same time, if he helps us win regular season games, then I want to I want to see him out there playing football. So I, I completely understand what Pez is saying. You've got an ace card there, and it's like you know, do I do I play it yet? Do do I not? Um, or do I save it for later or whatever? And, it, and it's like I get it, but then I, you know, with if with if DK is not quite right, certain circumstances might force our hand early anyway. Um, so I I understand I understand where both years are coming from. I I personally will never never not be against seeing more Bobo, um, but I, I get it I get it. So it's, it's hard it's hard to judge, isn't it? And we'll see what they do with him. Yeah, and I think I think one of the good one of the really cool things about Jake Bobo, if you look back at what we've done with our wide receiver room over the last. Well, as long as I can remember, you guys potentially can think back further than I can. But we've always picked up a bargain basement wide receiver three or four for our roster, whether it's Dorsett or Marquise Goodwin or who's the lad who played for uh, is it Flash, Gordon? Flash Gordon? Gordon, Paul Richardson, David Moore, I'm thinking of. Guys yeah, we've, like that. we've always had someone on the roster who's a sort of a wily vet that'll get mm-hmm. 300 yards a year and a couple of touchdowns in the red zone, potentially an unexpected weapon. What we've got right now is a guy that we picked up as an undrafted free agent that can do far more that he hasn't got that burner pace that Gordon had or Dorset had, but what he does have is an extremely wide set of skills um, as a wide receiver for option. He's so he's so malleable into whatever we want to do. And you can put him out there as a really willing blocker all the time. It, it's it's a really different situation for us. And it's seriously cheap as an option. Mm. So I'm really pleased with what he's brought to this team. And I think it's given us a different dimension. I think we couldn't have hoped for anything like this in year one for Jake Bobo. And it makes me really excited for future seasons. Um so yeah, Jake, Jake Bobo. I think I think he would be my vote for the most impactful rookie outside the first round picks. But yeah, that's that's going to wrap us up for this week. That's going to be our three sections complete. Um, I've really enjoyed this week. I'm really looking forward to next week. I hope we can be talking about some superb performances against the Browns. Um, but yeah, for for now, I'm going to say uh, go Hawks. Go Hawks. Go Hawks. And we'll see you next week for Rookie Watch.